Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. Uh, For those of you that watch the show frequently, you might be wondering, why is Marcel wearing a hat? Where's the shirt? What happened to the backdrop? Uh, I just moved into a new house. My fiance is in the other room uh, doing construction right now, but I couldn't miss the opportunity to do this interview. Our guest today is somebody that I met a few weeks ago in Florida. We shared a stage at an event, and there are certain people that you meet at these kinds of events where you chat with them for a little while and you start to realize, okay, this person is the real deal. They're not just an entrepreneur. They've mastered the craft of business to a level where they can abstract away from any given industry and really master it at a high level. And that is exactly what Chris Moore has done. He's gone from building and selling several successful businesses to now having a portfolio of businesses and doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. And we're gonna talk today about why we should be thinking about mergers and acquisitions as a way to grow our agencies. We've talked lots about selling. We haven't spent a lot of time on buying. So with all that, Chris Moore, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh man, it's an honor. Happy to be here. Well, we're all happy because I think that this is something that you know I was naive to when I first started. I thought I needed to have millions of dollars to buy a business. And the more I've spoken to folks like you, I've learned that actually acquisitions are within reach for a lot of people. And on that note, you know, I'm about to make uh, do my first acquisition, and you were really helpful. Uh, some of the conversations we had in Florida were really helpful with that. So I'm really excited to dive in. I think a lot of people will be enlightened by um, understanding just how accessible this kind of stuff is. But before we get into all that, I want to give you a chance in your own words to describe what you do and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. And just to clarify, I haven't done as many exits as you may have said. I've only done a few but I've acquired, I'm on my 10th acquisition right now. We have about six under contract. So we're still getting to the phase where the exits are coming, which I love that because that creates a big surge of income. But yeah, Chris Moore, I'm a business growth specialist. That's really what I focus on is the idea of how to take businesses and grow them exponentially uh, at a reasonable pace, not too quick, but do it in a way where we really implement something called extreme redundancy, where we're building businesses that can withstand the tail, uh, the tail of time, as well as uh, the ability to make sure that not one employee or not one customer can take us out. So we're, we're building a lot of redundancy in that. And my role inside of business acquisitions in my group with my partners is I am the business growth specialist. So over the years of being in sales and digital marketing and the agency world, uh, it just kind of all come came together to, to kind of create this new identity for me. But it's been a, a blast. Been doing it for about seven years. Got a couple Inc. 5000s over here to the left, and I've got a couple more on the way, and I'm just enjoying the ride. So I'm really curious, what kind of got you interested in working more in terms of acquisitions and building a portfolio? How did you kind of make that transition from being an entrepreneur in one business to wanting to be involved in several? You know, I think sometimes you have things that happen to you in life that kind of wake you up. Back in 2013, I lost a lot of money all in one day. So I was selling real estate, residential resale. My mom and I were a team together and we had a lot of contracts that just fell out. And that's because of sequestration and government 
um, shutdowns and furloughs for where I live, that's a big deal. And I realized at that moment that I never wanted to have one stream of income. I never wanted to feel that feeling again of having all my eggs in one basket. So literally since that time, I've owned between one and 20 businesses at any given time, creating lots of income coming in from different places. So that's really been the driver for me to not just be an entrepreneur, but to be a kind of an empire builder. The other big thing for me is I realized that over time, uh, one of my best friends, Clayton, taught me this. He said, Chris, you can't do it all on your own. You can't be the only one who knows how to do it. You can't be the magic dust or the secret sauce in every business. You have to learn how to replace the effectiveness that you have through other people's efforts. So I realized that I could build a castle on my own or I could build an empire with a large team. So ever since then, I have literally hundreds of employees, really team members that are building my empire with me. So that's that's kind of how we went from the normal entrepreneur agency owner to kind of focused on a big empire and a portfolio. Awesome. And so now you're involved in, you know, a, an organization that teaches hundreds of businesses and entrepreneurs how to also get involved in multiple businesses, do acquisitions, build their portfolio. And today I want to talk specifically about agencies, consultancies, and professional services firms and why they should be considering buying or acquiring or merging with the business as a way to stimulate their growth, an option that I don't think many people are thinking about when they think about their vision for scaling their firm. Yeah. So at Dealmaker Well Society, we actually have 15,000 students currently over the last seven years, and we've taught over 100,000, uh, but 15,000 paying students. So we've got a pretty big footprint. And I think because business acquisitions is really a hot subject. And I think that as time goes on, it's starting to become something that people are starting to consider even in the agency world. And I'll tell you, you should, because the traditional methods of growing your business using sales and marketing tactics don't have to be the only way that you grow. And often you can save so much time, heartache, and money by just growing through acquisition where you can literally acquire your competitors, you can acquire vendors, you can acquire maybe a SaaS company that you spend a ton of money with every month or that you have every one of your clients working with as well. And you can essentially eat up all their profit and market share as well. So growing through acquisition is huge. And I'd love to tell you more about that and specifically some of the ways that you can actually do that without having to use any of your own money. Mm. Well, that kind of dovetails nicely into our second thing, which is what are the misconceptions or uh, mental blocks that entrepreneurs have when it comes to this space? Well, a lot of it seems like it's out of reach, like you were saying just a minute ago. A lot of people don't even know that this is on the, the field and they can actually play with this type of stuff. I mean, maybe people think it's just for Wall Street or maybe it's just for business brokers and, and maybe for large companies that have deep pockets, but buying a business can be very accessible because the way that business transactions are done, a lot of times you can get 100% financing, you can get owner financing, there's special government loans through the SBA, where you can leverage businesses that don't have a lot of assets or don't have a lot of equipment or premises. You know, so essentially they don't have any collateral, physical collateral. You can leverage cash flow as collateral. Uh, there's a lot of ways to tap into this. 
Yeah. And, and that's, I think what I want to double click on a little bit more is in particular, when you're talking about agencies, professional services, usually those are very collateral light businesses. So conventional wisdom would say, yeah, if we go to a bank and ask for a loan, we're likely going to have a lot of trouble with that. But you just mentioned two really great venues. The United States you know, has the SBA program, which is an incredible way to get usually up to 90%, I think, of the value of the business funded. And then you have seller financing, which is completely overlooked in a lot of cases, but can be a massive lever in allowing you to, to purchase a business with very little risk. Talk a little bit more about what you would typically see be the, the best structure for going in and trying to do an acquisition of another agency or professional services firm. I think part of it's understanding what kind of buyer you are. I, I'd imagine everyone would be a lot smarter in this subject just from going to read a book called Built to Sell. Uh, it's such a strong book for both a seller or a buyer to help you understand what the seller is looking for and help you understand what buyers are looking for in a transaction. Really, when you're going business to business like this and acquiring a competitor or a vendor, you're either buying it for financial reasons, like trying to tap into their cash flow or profit margins, or you're buying it for a strategic reason where you can leverage the resources that this business has, or maybe it has a lot of cross-sell opportunity by having a similar customer avatar or customer list that you all are both serving. So I think understanding what you want out of an acquisition is huge. Are you simply trying to grow the book of business and grow your MRR as an agency or as a professional services company Then buying a competitor and getting that market share without having to go out and own it? It's great. If you're maybe a professional services company that has a geographic footprint and you want to go expand into a new market, there's no reason to go try to beat your head up against the wall and go win all this new business in a new market where you can literally just buy somebody who already has an established business in that area, right? So financial versus strategic, the financial is more around money and being able to tap into cash flow. And it's interesting where you could buy a business that's cash flowing at, let's say, 30,000 a month, and you could buy that business leveraging, using other people's money, using the special funding programs, or even seller financing, and you can walk into month one with literally cash flow going into your pocket. So. I think understanding that this stuff's available is huge, but you have to start with what you want out of it. Otherwise, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, and it gets pretty uh, confusing at that point. Yeah. And so to double click on that a little bit, you mentioned, you know, trying to grow your cash flow or your profit margin by purchasing uh, competitors or adjacent companies to grow market share. The other really great insight is a strategic acquisition whereby you're going to get a synergistic outcome by merging those two things that might be vertical integration, like you mentioned earlier, purchasing a vendor that you use a lot and spend a lot of money on or purchasing a company that you can do a lot of cross selling on all great examples of that. Are there any other common reasons that you might see somebody do an acquisition? like this? Um, sometimes it's just to make sure that somebody else doesn't get it. We do have that type of thing in some larger businesses where you have somebody with an emerging technology and you don't want to have a competitor get their hands on it. That may be a reason. But for most of what we see, most of the people that we teach at Dealmaker Well Society, probably 75% of them are investors of some sort, some sort of professional investor, real estate, creative finance, uh, and they're looking to diversify their portfolio. And then the other 25% is usually a business owner. But the biggest reason that people are doing business-to-business -business transactions is they're working on something called roll-ups, right? Are you familiar with the roll-up? For those that don't know what a roll-up is, I guess, explain what that means. I'm sure there's some people whose heads are spinning a little bit right now. Yeah, you know, roll-up is just when you take several businesses and you kind of put them all together. And kind of what you were just touching on is the EBITDA and the multiple 
what the business is worth continuously rises as that total number of annual profit goes up among the group. Part of that's because it changes who's going to buy it. When you get up over a certain amount of EBITDA, uh, which is essentially, we can go through the acronym in a minute, but it's essentially the annual profit after certain things are taken out. Um, that's where you start attracting the private equity buyers and the trade buyers and the family offices and people who have a lot of money and their only job is to go out and find these roll-ups and buy them because they're going to take it public or they're going to resell on the market for more money. And it's just kind of a flip from there. But when you do a roll-up, it doesn't always have to be a whole bunch of the same type of company. It also can be a roll-up serving the same customer base or customer avatar. For instance, one of the roll-ups that I'm involved in uh, is in the female health and beauty space, uh, all online e-commerce, not Amazon. And then why you would want to roll that up is because somebody who buys fake eyelashes also buys makeup, also buys yoga pants, also buys uh, all this other stuff. And being able to have the cross-sell opportunities is huge, right? The other thing to consider is one plus one equals two, but in M&A math, one plus one equals three most often, right? So whenever you do one plus one equals three, plus one equals six, plus one equals 10, you can start to really exponentially increase the value of a business. And just to explain what that means, when you add two businesses together that serve the same customer base, yes, you have the revenue from business A and business B, but you also have the cost synergies of having the operations kind of streamlined and not having to have two Miss Glendas in the office. Now you just have one, you save a lot of money there, as well as the cross-selling opportunity. So as you continue to add more businesses on, the multiple goes up as well as the more EBITDA you have, the multiple goes up even, even higher. So in the agency space specifically, we have about five sets of people in our inner circle program, all doing marketing agency rollups. Uh, some of them are including SaaS platforms that kind of serve every agency, something like a go high level competitor maybe. Uh, some are just sticking in the fitness industry looking to sell to a very large company that would love to have that customer list of gyms. You know, there's all types of roll-ups that you could do. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I wanna tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to paraketo.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. So we've talked about a couple of the reasons why we might want to look into acquisitions as a way to grow. We talked about the idea of buying cash flow and profitability. We talked about the idea of strategic acquisitions and then laddering that up even into a roll-up strategy. So I want to start with talking about the mistakes and missteps that somebody doing an acquisition for the first time might make. What, is, what are the common pitfalls that you see before we kind of get into the best practices for doing this in a way that's going to lead to a successful outcome? Yeah, in general, the pitfalls that we see is people who don't understand what they're looking to get out of it. Um, and they go in and just start talking to brokers and, and making offers, and they really don't have a plan. That's number one. Number two, 
not understanding everything there is to about the financing is a big misstep. I mean, imagine getting all the way through the process and like, all right, now it's time to figure out how we finance this thing. It's not the right way to do it. I mean, you're literally playing with other people's livelihood. Uh, just like being a seller of a home, it can be a very stressful thing, right? And imagine taking that 30-day or 45-day escrow period and stretching it six to 12 months it can be a very stressful time. So don't play around with people's businesses. Make sure you really understand the type of financing structures that's going to be necessary for the businesses you're trying to buy. Um, one other thing a lot of business owners do wrong is they don't look at leveraging their existing business as collateral to buy their growth. There's a lot of loans even beyond the normal SBA 7A loan. There's different loans that allow business expansion that are almost the easiest thing you could ever get is literally leveraging something already has a proven track record to buy something else that's extremely similar should be really easy. Uh, other thing is just think about sales 101. Whenever you are looking to acquire a business or one thing, you should always punch past the target. You should always go out and originate or find 10 to 20 deals and really put a lot of feelers out there rather than people who go after one deal. They get it all the way to the finish line and something happens. It's demoralizing. It's really tough for people to ever like get back up and try again, it's because they never punched past the target and they had unrealistic expectations around it. So those are probably the three biggest things. And then the one other thing that we teach very specifically at Dealmaker Wealth Society is the idea of going off market, right? Going to just a random broker site or a biz buy sell, and they're, they're great. There's a lot of great broker deals out there, but a lot of those businesses never sell. And there's a reason why. Dealing with brokers in general is difficult and it can be very inefficient. They really would love to sell businesses to other large businesses because it's a much more streamlined process. They'd like to get their commissions. But what we teach very specifically is how to go out and find these deals off market. Because it's a fact, every single business, including everyone watching this, eventually will exit. It's a fact. At some point, you're either gonna die, you're gonna hand it off to somebody else, you're gonna do an ESOP and sell it to your employees, you're going to give it to your heirs. You're going to sell it to somebody else. And what else is interesting is that most people who've considered an exit are probably already behind the curve. You should have exited already because there's actually a perfect curve of when you should exit. So the idea of going off market is actually a lot easier than you may think because almost every business owner would sell for the right price and the right terms. Um, and if you wait till they go to a broker, usually it's a little too late and it's, and it's a very difficult process. And as far as I understand, there's uh, a statistical kind of anomaly that's happening in this next decade or so where we have an incredible amount of people that are running small businesses today that are approaching retirement age. And the amount of people right now that are positioned to take over those businesses is greatly undersupplied relative to the, the amount of businesses that are going to be available for, for sale. So there is a real opportunity in terms of timing over the next decade or so for someone who understands how to get the financing put together to be able to go in and acquire these businesses and likely do it on good terms because the, the supply and demand are kind of out of balance right now. Is that your experience as well? For sure. I didn't bring that up because it depends on the industry, right? So you do have an aging population base. They say 10,000 baby boomers retire every day. Between 20 and 30% of them own small businesses. And the statistic that's so staggering is really only one of 12 businesses that actually go on the market sell between revenues of one and 10 million. Uh, and there's a lot of distress there. It's not that the business is distressed. It's not that the business isn't profitable. It's just the fact that they're in a tough situation. 
because exactly what you said is there's not enough buyers out there. I think that holds true for a lot of industries and others. It's actually the opposite, right? So when you get onto like the online type businesses, e-com marketing agencies, we actually find that there's very few aging population owners in that business. There's also a lot less motivation, urgency, and distress. So the idea of trying to buy maybe a whole bunch of marketing agencies is a very different game than going after CPA firms, right? So CPA firms and maybe other architectural firms and professional services like we were discussing earlier, those are really ripe for the picking. There's so many of those aging population uh, business owners who are looking to get out quickly. And what's interesting as well, and most people don't know this, is that most business owners are scared to death to put a sign out in front of their business or to put their business officially on the market. And the reason why is because it confuses their employees, it confuses their customers, people think they're struggling or going out of business. And no matter what you do as a business owner, it can be very stressful to think about who's gonna take this over and, and continue my legacy. You know, A lot of times we find that it's not about price. Most of the time it has to do with continuing the legacy and they're looking for a safe pair of hands. Somebody's gonna take care of their employees, which is like their family, somebody who's going to make sure that the reputation of the business and their name stays true. Right. So, so yeah, I, I definitely know that this is probably the perfect storm where there's more financing ever available right now to buy businesses. There's more distress in the marketplace and there's more business owners that are retiring and needing to hand it off. But I think you just got to keep it in perspective. If you're going after marketing agencies, it's going to be a little bit different because the average owner age is much younger. Right. And that that changes the deal structure a little bit. So we've talked about a lot of some of the key principles, I think, in the tangential discussion about mergers and acquisitions. But I'll ask the question directly. Uh, what are kind of those key principles to making sure that an acquisition is successful if we can you know, list them out? Uh, I think you have to define success. So, I mean, if we're defining success by the business has been fully acquired, both parties are happy with the price and terms and the business is still operating at the same level or better after the acquisition. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that have to come true. First of all, I think you have to have preparation done in advance. I think the idea of understanding what you want out of the deal and identify the most likely deal structure and financing options available would be huge. Um, I think this is so important because when you go out and decide what type of business you want to buy, you may have some limiting factors, right? Let's say, so you're in Canada, right? Let's say you wanted to buy a business in the US. Well, going out and getting qualified for an SBA loan when you're the only person on a US level is not going to be something you're able to do. But you may find that what more uh, gets you excited is the idea of going out and finding more distressed businesses or maybe distressed situations and just going after full owner finance deals. Uh, and you want to do them specifically in the US, like without understanding and knowing that up front, you can waste a lot of time and have to backtrack quite a bit. It's like going to college when you're 18, you have no clue what you want to do. And then you change your major at 21, like the rest of the world does, right? Because you don't have the right perspective. So I think getting the right perspective up front and doing the right preparation and understanding what type of deal is going to work best to get you what you're looking for is a huge first step. Um, and then beyond that, really, you need to have someone guide you through it. Just because you've maybe sold a business doesn't really mean you know much about the acquisition process besides your experience. Let's say you were a part of some uh, a real estate transaction. Well, maybe there are a lot of similarities, but it's also extremely different. So 
having someone guide you through the process who's done it over and over and over again, where there's a system uh, and it's methodical and deliberate, that's the key to this. There's no reason to make these mistakes when somebody else has already done that. So that's part of the process as well. So preparation, really understanding what you're looking to get out of it, understanding about the best deal structures, financing terms, who's going to be the best strategic business for you to buy, and also having someone guide you through the process. That's probably the biggest part of that. So on that note, for those that are listening that want to learn more about you and what you're doing, I can speak to, you shared some of the content with me that you know your clients get access to and they pay for your services and, and, and education products. And as you mentioned, there are so many nuances to this process. So many of them are contextual, everything down to, I mean, the thing you shared with me that was incredible was how do you even introduce the idea of seller financing to someone who doesn't know what that is and start that conversation. So it's incredible the depth of knowledge that you have in this space. For those that are listening that want to learn more about that, where should we send them in the show notes? We'll, we'll drop a link in there, but we'll send you to our website where you can get maybe a free training to understand uh, how the business acquisition process works from A to Z, as well as how to do bolt-on acquisitions and roll-ups, which is that one plus one equals three model. And if I can just make something perfectly clear, I am not the guru. I am not the world-renowned expert on business acquisitions. My business partner, Carl Allen, is that expert. Like I said earlier, my role in general in all my companies is the same. I'm a business growth specialist. So what I've done is I partnered with Carl uh, about 20 months ago, and we've we've essentially 10x this business together using our combined skill sets, and we're changing a lot of lives. Being able to help people tap into this life-changing cash flow and really grow through acquisition has been such a blessing for everyone involved. But uh, we love working with professional services companies and marketing agency owners. We have a lot of those in our program, investors at all levels. But yeah, love to have you there. I think the first step to work with us at any level or just learn more about what we do, no pressure, is just click on those links, watch those trainings on how the whole process works and really identify if this is something that you really want to do. Identify if this is something that will help you get where you want to go. And if not, no worries. Awesome. So we'll have links uh, in the show notes to those free trainings. We'll also link up Chris's Instagram and YouTube channel, some great content on there to check out as well. Uh, and with that, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a great. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.